Um, in today's message, we're going to look at the words of Jesus in John 15, 1 through 17, where Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And we're going to consider two questions. One is, is my life full or fruitful? And the other question is, what, it's, what does it mean to be a branch? So um, think about those two things as we go through. Um, many of you here have probably read this passage of Scripture at least once or heard somebody talk about it. But don't let that stop you from experiencing how, it, um, how God can move in you today. I'm sure all of you have experienced how uh, the excitement of a new car or a new home or even a new flavor of cappuccino at the gas station um, can kind of wear off over time. Uh, a car becomes just a means of getting from place to place. Uh, your home and all the things that you were first excited about, the pantry, the Lazy Susan, that room that you pictured the pool table in, um, all those things kind of end up becoming normal and just part of life. And even that, uh, that really good cup of pumpkin spice cappuccino, you can't stand to have another cup of. So, um, But the amazing thing about the Bible is that it's God's living word. That thing that we heard or learned years ago can be made new to us today through the power of the Holy Spirit. God has a way of helping us see the truths of His Word that will be the truths of His Word in a, in a way that we didn't see when we were younger in our faith. I'm not a master theologian. I'm not going to be pulling out any secret truths out of this passage that you've never heard before. But I invite you to join me in allowing the Holy Spirit uh, to move in you and speak in a new way today. So let's uh, begin with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask that you would give me the words to say. I ask that by your Spirit, you would speak the words that I don't to the hearts of those who need your wisdom. Lord, we pray for supernatural stirring that would cause us to more strongly desire to do your will, to follow your leading. For we recognize that our hearts at times can become hard and that we can sometimes stand in the way of your will. Help us to recognize again that you are Lord over all of our life. Let today's scripture penetrate our hearts and cause us to learn to abide in you and surrender to the training of the Father. Amen. Okay, so today's text uh, takes place as Jesus is preparing his disciples for his death. He's already predicted his betrayal. He's encouraging them and giving them the promise of the Holy Spirit that is to come after he's gone. So let's go ahead and start with John uh, 15, verses 1 through 4. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already heard, or sorry, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. In this passage, Jesus uses the grapevine to depict our relationship with him and the Father. There are a few reasons Jesus may have chosen the vine for this analogy. Um, it may have been the references to the vine in the Old Testament referring to Israel. Or they may have been walking past a vineyard as they were on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. But it seems that Jesus often used things that people were familiar with in his teaching. 
And it just so happens that Jesus was speaking to his disciples uh, at the end of the golden age of winemaking in the Roman Empire. Um, at the peak, Rome was consuming 47 million gallons of wine annually. That's the equivalent to one bottle of wine per Roman citizen per day. The wine industry remained very strong well past the time of Christ. No doubt all of the disciples had at least a general understanding of what it meant to tend a vineyard. Just like most of us that grew up around here at least have at least a general idea of what it means to work on a dairy farm. So um, before preparing this message, I knew very little about what Wikipedia has informed me is called viticulture, which is the cultivating of grapevines. Um, but I found that the behavior of vine branches and their need for a gardener makes for a very good analogy um, to our lives and our need to submit to the training of a father. Um, the vine branches, if left to their own, will grow wherever they like even on top of the other branches. They put much of their energy into growing a thick canopy of leaves and buds. And when they begin growing away from the trellis, um, when they begin to grow away from the trellises that the gardener has provided for support, they start to reach down to the ground and, and put out shoots. Um, they send out suckers to the ground to begin trying to draw nutrients on their own rather than depending on the vine. Like these branches, we often fill ourselves uh, with a lot of stuff. Um, we, get, we get weighed down by, uh, by the things of life. We acquire cars and boats and ATVs and, for, and electronics. Um, we work hard in our jobs and, and end up sacrificing much of our time and energy, so much so that we don't have enough time left for God. We get so involved in our kids' activities, community clubs, keeping up with what's happening on Facebook. Has anybody ever, I, I know not every, Facebook's not for everybody, but, but when you get on Facebook, um, it's not hard for it to kind of pull you in more and more. And I think everybody has that thing in their life that, that kind of maybe pulls more, more time and energy than you thought it was going to in the first place. Uh, I know even when I, you know, got into, back when I was a kid, I, I had dirt bikes more, and, and there was a time frame where it seemed like I kept on wrecking the engine on them, and I had to keep on fixing them, and I finally just said, I'm done with engines, I'm going to get a sailboat. So, <laughs> but, um, but anyways, we, we, uh, we buy so much stuff that we have to build new sheds, rent storage units to store it all, and the very things that we worked so hard to get weigh us down. And then, what's our natural tendency when they, when they start to weigh us down? It's not always to run to God for help, but too often we refuse to give up the things that weigh us down. Instead, just like the vine branch reaches to the ground to build its own rut, we try to do it on our own. We work a few more hours at work to help pay for things. We down a few five-hour energies to help make up for the sleep that we lost. Uh, or maybe we buy some new shoes or anything that seems kind of interesting on eBay just to give us a little bit of joy. Unfortunately, as we fill our lives with these non-essential things, we end up missing the thing that we were created for. We're failing in the areas that matter most, and we're forgetting that we're here to bear fruit. The untended vine gives us a good picture of what kind of fruit is produced by an untended life. Um, as I was reading about a viticulture, it, it said that um, in a vine, when a branch is allowed to, it builds this huge canopy of leaves 
and it climbs and falls all over the other branches and blocks the sunlight that's needed to give nutrients and to properly ripen the fruit and also the fruit on the branches around it. And secondly, it traps in moisture and it allows the fruit to get covered with mildew and it allows disease to flourish. And in the end, the fruit that it does make is small, bitter, and gross. And it's not at all the kind of fruit that Jesus is desiring for our lives. So to use an analogy to describe an analogy, um, last year I tried to grow a uh, vegetable garden and um, I was also very busy with work and I had other projects going on. And long story short, the, the garden became uh, more weeds than it did produce. Uh, my potato plants died. A lot of things didn't even really come up. I think some of the seeds I used were because I planned to do a garden the year before and they were a little old. <laughs> the watermelons were only about the size of a softball. The pumpkins were too small to make into jack-o'-lanterns and the, corn the, the ears of corn that I did get were so small they only had about five kernels on each one. Um, now there wasn't anything necessarily wrong with the other projects and activities and things that I was involved in, but if my primary goal was to produce vegetables, I failed miserably. My garden and I needed more time together. Um, and in order, for, in order to produce vegetables, the kind of vegetables that I had in mind when I planted the garden, I needed to cut something lesser out of my life. Just as my garden and I needed more time together, we need time with our gardener. If we're going to bear the kinds of fruits, the fruit that Jesus calls us and desires for us to produce. So the main difference here between my example and the example that Jesus gives us is that in my example, um, the gardener didn't have time for the garden, which is not the case with God. In our case, it's the garden that doesn't seem to always have time for the gardener. So now that we know what we do naturally, the question is, what are we supposed to do? How do we fight our natural tendencies to and be able to produce good fruit? Um, the answer is, and the thing is, is it sounds so simple, um, because it really is. It doesn't mean it's easy, but it's simple. Uh, we, we have to submit ourselves to the gardener. Um, we need to remain connected to the vine that is Jesus and depend on him for strength, depend on him for the nutrients, not looking to our own way. When growing vines, the gardener supplies trellises and stakes. Sometimes they, he even uses trees to help support the vine. He prunes the vine to maximize the fruitfulness. Um, the, the vines are not able to do this on their own, or the branches, rather, are not able to do this on their own. Um, he takes the vines and redirects them where he wants, and he puts them on the trellis whenever they're going the wrong direction. We need God to give us direction, and he does. Uh, God has given us his word. His word acts as trellises, supports for our life. He gives us this foundation um, and supports us. He gives us his Holy Spirit to minister to us, to teach us and train us on the way that we should go, and to communicate, us, com communicate to us what things that the Father wants to prune away for our lives so that we can be more fruitful for the kingdom of God. Now, I know talking about pruning isn't real 
popular when you think about it in the aspect of your life. Um, pruning is not always fun for the one being pruned. In fact, I think it's probably never fun. Um, it, it generally means that you're removing something that you don't really want to let go of. It's, it's something that's attached to you that you put there on purpose. And so now, and now you have to make the decision that it's, it's not what's best for your life. You know, listening to the Spirit's guiding, saying, hey, I, I need you more over here and less over there. Um, letting God have that time and, and then trusting that God is doing this because he knows that you're going to be better off without it. Um, five years ago, uh, Tanya and I had an experience where we had to make a decision on whether we'd be willing to let go of some hopes and plans. Um, I was presented with an employment opportunity in Michigan, and at the time we really felt like it was something God was calling us to do. And now, at that time, uh, we had just finished building our house in Ellsworth. I mean, I, we sat down together, we laid out the floor plan, we had built it, we were there for about two years, and you know when you first build a house, there's stuff to do, you know? So we're, we're landscaping, and we're finishing the basement, and uh, building a deck on the backside, and so we put all this effort into it to make it just the way that we wanted it to be. So my immediate natural response was, no way. Like, we've worked too hard on this. This is our, we, we picked the spot between her parents and my parents. We could be close to them, and we were going to stay there forever. Um, but as we um, prayed and submitted our plans to God, we made the hard decision that if this was God's will, we needed to be willing to let go of those dreams. Now, that opportunity never fully presented itself, so... I'm kind of happy we got to stay where we are. Um, but the process that we went through has made a lasting effect on how we view our plans and how we view his plans. It has helped us to be ready when the time comes that he does ask us to cut something out of our lives that we can trust that he's doing it so that we can be more fruitful. Um, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-8, through 8, God the gardener seeks to train and prune us um, to make us more fruitful. Uh, he promises that in him we are enabled to share in his divine nature and escape the corruption caused by human desires. I like this passage because it seems to be more than, more than a, a list of, of attributes, but it kind of um, words itself in a way that it seems to be a step-by-step -step, uh, process of how we mature um, from early in our faith to a mature Christian. And so uh, we're going to start at verse 5. It says, For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and add to your goodness knowledge and to your knowledge self-control and self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these quantities, qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. This portion of scripture gives us seven fruits produced when we are attached to the vine through our faith in Jesus Christ. 
and absorbs and and we absorb his nutrients into our lives. So the first thing, the first fruit that that it refers to, um, is adding. So if we need to have faith. That's what connects us to the vine. If we don't have faith, um, we we got we we're separated. We we can't do anything. Um, but the first thing that we add to our faith is goodness, which is also translated as virtue or moral excellence. Um, the first thing that we need to do when we come to Christ is to begin to live into the basic moral principles that we that we already know. Everybody has a certain list of rights and wrongs, even if they're not a Christian. There's something inside of them that that they know that there's rights and wrongs that they shouldn't shouldn't be doing. So we begin to live into those basic moral principles. Then unto godliness we add knowledge. We begin to grow in our knowledge of who Jesus is and who He wants us to be. We do this through reading God's word, listening to biblical teaching, and by praying and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us. As we begin to learn what God wants from us, Jesus teaches us to grow in self-control. And it, self-control is needed in order, to imp, in order to implement the knowledge that we've gained. So we've, we've learned more about who God wants us to be, and we need self-control so that we don't go down the same path that we used to go down. As we spend time with Jesus and we begin to allow God, through his Holy Spirit, to moderate our lives, um, and we begin letting the gardener remove shoots so that we're not overweighed by sinful and and fruitless activities. Like I said, some things are not necessarily sinful. They're just, they don't have any fruit on them. They, they, they end up shading the areas of your life, you know, that are bearing fruit or could bear fruit if they had more time, if they had more energy. If, um, have you ever felt God calling you to cut away some activity or relationship from your life that is hindering growth in other areas? How many of you have seen your life bearing more fruit and more of the fruits of the Spirit afterwards? There's an increase of joy, an increase of peace, an in, increase of passion to proclaim God's goodness. Um, there, there's a, there's a, a, like a felt lightness when we surrender to God, when those things that He's calling us to let go, we let go of. Um, there's, I don't know, I struggle to find the words, but, but it's this peace um, that, that just lifts us above the circumstances that we're surrounded with, where we were weighed down and feeling um, just exhausted with life. Um, when, we, when we allow him to take those things away and we, and we trust him, uh, we find that, that this lightness, this peace, and this joy fill us, this... Um, Peace that uh, surpasses all understanding. Um, we've all had things that have weighed us down, and Jesus gives us the fruit of self-control uh, so that we can follow the training of the gardener. Once we've established self-control, we need to add perseverance because there's no coasting. As if we begin coasting, we're heading downhill. Okay, that's not a good thing in this case. It doesn't mean it's easier. It just means we're going back where we came from. Never be fooled that you're in a good place in your faith and that it'll just kind of maintain itself from here on out. If we're not striving to grow, we find ourselves not attached to the trellis and headed back down where we came from, reaching for lesser things to fill us. 
and not depending on the true line, true vine. I'm going to ask the musicians to come up as we get towards the end here. Um, fifthly, we add to our perseverance godliness or a reverence for God and his attributes. When we have reverence for God, we don't think of ourselves as great, but we see that God is great, and we're merely a mirror reflecting his character. Without the fruit of godliness, without this reverence for God, um, we begin to look at our fruit and start to feel proud or prideful of, of the things that we've accomplished, and we forget that we're not the ones who produced it. We're simply the ones bearing the fruit that Jesus has caused to be produced in us. Uh, next to godliness, we add mutual affection. We build one another up. We encourage one another, and we care for one another. That's uh, part of what we hope to accomplish, uh, well, really every week when we meet here, but also, you know, this family camp event is another, it's a big opportunity to spend more time um, to, to build this mutual affection and to be able to encourage one another. Um, and that encouragement and affection in that encouragement and affection, Jesus teaches us to love one another deeply to the point that we may lay down our lives for one another. This fruit, of course, stands above the others. Fruit, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, Three things last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. In John 13, 35, Jesus says, By this people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. It's this love um, that gives us unity. It's this love that draws other people to Jesus. God is love, and if we truly love with this godly love, we know that we're abiding in him. So let's head back to the text for today, and we'll continue at verse 5. All right. It says, Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such, a branch, such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples and you bring great glory to my Father. So Jesus says again that I am the vine and what does that mean to us as the branches? Who does that make Jesus to us? Well, what happens to a branch when it's not attached to the vine or to the tree? It says in verse 6 that if we don't remain in him, we cannot do anything. It says a branch like that is useless and withers. There's no hope for fruit on that branch. You cut a branch off an apple tree, it's not even going to make a small apple. It's just going to fade away. Anything that we do outside of our relationship with Christ is worth, worthless. If you work hard at your job, but you don't display the characteristics that come from a daily connection with Jesus, it means nothing in the grand scheme of things. If we put time and energy into our family, but we fail to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us, to encourage our spouse in their faith, 
or to plant the seeds of faith into the hearts and minds of our children, it won't be worth anything and it will only lead to regret. God desires for us to produce much fruit. Our purpose for being is to bring glory to God. Next to that, everything else just fades away. We can only bring glory to God by holding fast to Jesus and depending on him and loving him so he can produce much fruit in us. I, I hope this hasn't felt too heavy. I know sometimes when we look at uh, where God wants us to be or, or all these character traits that maybe we don't feel like are all there yet, it, it can just kind of amplify uh, how far we have to go. Um, but we have to remember that it's God that works in you, um, both to will and do his good pleasure. It, it, this isn't a, a steep hill that we have to struggle to, to climb up. Branches don't have to struggle to bear fruit. They just stay attached to the vine. They just stay attached to the tree. It just happens naturally. Jesus ends this analogy with some encouragement that shows his heart and his purposes in saying these things. Um, his, his purposes in saying these things. This is not to critique us. It's not to condemn us. But the purpose is to add joy to our future. <clears throat> in verse 9, it says... I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey the Father's commandments and remain in his love, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is not to condemn. This is not to bring down. This is to produce an overflow of joy in your future. This is, this is to, to, to make you be able to look back at your life and look at, your, look at what impact you're having on the people around you when you, when you stand in worshiping God and, and you offer this, this life uh, to Christ. You know, you, we, we come, our, our lives are, are bearing this fruit to bring glory to God. And so to be able to have this fruit in our life um, and just lay it before him, again, recognizing in godliness and in reverence to God that this, this it's not us that did it, but just in thankfulness um, that he has done this through us. Have you ever spent a whole day working on something and, and it didn't really go real well? And at the end of the day, you step back and you look and you see uh, how little you really accomplished and it's just disheartening, you know? But then there's other days where you build and you work, you do something and you look at, at, at all that you've created. And what comes to mind to me is, especially working with uh, Gordy framing, you know, when you're ready to start building those walls, you get to the job site and everything's flat, you know, and then you, you got this pile of lumber and, and you come together and you all build, build the walls and stand them up and nail them together. And at the end of the day, you see this structure, you know, and it just feels good, you know, to have been productive, to see that your, your labors were not in vain. Um, but in the temporal, that house is 
just going to last for a hundred years and be torn down, you know, and in and, and, and the end it, it doesn't last. But God wants to create in us fruit that will last forever, fruit that's eternal, that has value uh, in the eternity and, and even to the point of, of reaching others to come to him that they might ha bear eternal fruit. Um, this overflowing joy that Jesus is talking about can only come from a close relationship with the one who knows exactly how to nourish and guide us into a fruitful life. These shoots of ours that reach the ground and try and get joy and strength apart from him can never lead to good fruit. Let's read verse 12 as we uh, read one of the last sections here. Uh, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. Jesus the vine says to us the branches that he is our friend. He confides in us his plans. And he has shown us the greatest love possible by laying down his life for us. And in response, we surrender our lives to him. It's not a surrender done reluctantly, as if we're taking on some burdensome weight, but it's done as those who have been chosen to be benefactors of his amazing grace and to be joined with Jesus as co-laborers in bearing fruit that brings glory to God, which by the way is the fulfillment of what we were created to do. Do you hunger, do you have a hunger a stirring in you to experience the kind of relationship with Jesus that produces fruit that will bring glory to God? If you do, whatever you need is in Jesus the vine. Spending time with him, whether it's in worship, at home, if you can listen to music at work, that encourages me. Spend time in prayer, allowing the Holy Spirit to have time to guide you and lead you and speak to you about maybe pruning that needs to happen, or just speaking His love over you to encourage you that you have that love then to pour out to others. And reading His Word to support and strengthen your life, to give you those trellises that you can grow on so that the sun can get to you and cause that fruit to grow. When you need strength and joy, are there things that you reach to instead of the vine that need to be pruned? If so, trust and surrender to God. Trust that He's got your best in mind. That even though it may hurt for a moment, that in the end you're going to experience that lightness, that joy, and you're going you're to see this fruit that was missing from your life beginning to grow. Trust in God, that his, trust in his leading on what you should remove um, so that the fruit that will bring joy overflowing is not stunted and shaded. I'm going to pray and we're just going to come together and sing a song and I'll give you a, a word in closing. Dear Jesus, we just thank you for loving us. We thank you that uh, you showed us 
that love that is that tops all other love where you laid down your life for us um, you tell us that that you want us to lay down uh, parts of our life to surrender to you to be obedient to you that you might cause us to have joy and joy overflowing Lord, I ask that you'd help us to uh, cut away those things that are taking away our time, that are causing us to, to raise gardens of weeds. Lord, um, help us to allow you to cut away those things that are, are blocking our fruitfulness, that we can, be, um, we can be like a vine with huge bunches of grapes just being displayed for the world to see that these, this fruit that's displayed would draw others to you. Lord, and we thank you that, that this isn't a burden that we carry, but this is something that you do through us by your spirit. This is something that just as we uh, remain close to you, as we allow you to, to rub off the, the rough edges of our life, that you cause us to bear this good fruit. And Lord, we just, we just love you and we thank you. We ask that this word would penetrate our hearts and remain with us and that it would change our lives, not be forgotten, but, uh, but remind us of it as we walk through our lives. Amen. All right, I'd like to send you out with the last portion of our text for today, starting in verse 16. It says, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command love each other so go and love one another build up that mutual affection that leads to that god type of love for one another amen